Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, today we continue our series, The Mysteries of the Kingdom, with a message entitled, The Parable of the Sower. So let's look to our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 9, as we join Dr. Newfeld now. One of the great mysteries of the kingdom of heaven that's explained in the book of Matthew is that God has entered into this world and is now ruling in Jesus. And yet, while this is so, evil continues. I mean, how, how can that be? Shouldn't God's rule with all its blessing also mean the end of wickedness? You know, some years ago, I was in Ottawa, and I'd been asked to speak at a pro-life gathering. And one of the things that I'll never forget is looking at the actual pictures of aborted children, something I had never seen until that moment. And one was the picture of a little boy, I think, and he seemed to have this shock expression on his face, and I'm still haunted by that. I can only imagine the shocking moment when this unborn young lad faced his own painful death. And furthermore, I learned that Canada is one of only three nations in the world that has no laws at all concerning abortion. The other two are North Korea and China. I learned that 300 children's lives are taken from them in Canada every single day, kind of like a a big jumbo jet crashing every single day in this country with no news and the rest of the Canadian population having no idea what's going on. We see no pictures of the dead. We don't know how many there are. We don't know why their lives were terminated. We, We close our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the cry of the unborn. I think this issue is the defining issue of our day. I think that if and when the wrath of God falls on this country to a large degree, it will be because of this outrage against the heavens. You know, I also heard that every single poll done in this country indicates that the the majority of Canadians want some restrictions on abortion, even though there, there is a disagreement as to what that might look like. But up till now, very few politicians seem ready to risk anything at all. I mean, after all, there's no groundswell forcing them to act. It, it seems the majority of us in this country don't like the idea of a free-for-all climate of abortion, but we seem unwilling to do anything at all. And the children keep dying 300 every day. It's, it's an outrage. And I found myself crying out to God, How long, O Lord, when will you act? Now, I raise this because it's, it's one example of what we're talking about in Matthew. Jesus has come, and with him, the great end-time kingdom of heaven has begun to tumble into the present hour. But even while the kingdom has come in Jesus, it seems to have only come partially. Yeah, the, the blind see and the lame walk and, and the lepers are cleansed, yet, yet Herod arrests John the Baptist and eventually murders him. And the Romans continue to oppress Israel, and evil seems to go on its merry way. And while Jesus healed sicknesses and even raised Lazarus from the tomb, still millions get sick every day as if nothing has changed at all. And what are we to make of that? Well, we've come to Matthew 13 where Jesus will explain in a series of seven parables or seven stories about everyday life that reveal spiritual truth. These parables explain the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, why, why both the great blessing of God has come and yet evil carries on and why that's so. He will tell us that we are living in a unique time in history, in a kind of an overlap of two ages. The old age of sin and death still remains, but the new age of the ultimate reign of God in which evil is destroyed and God's blessings do come, I mean, that future era that the prophets and the people of God waited for, in an amazing way, that future era in some ways has already tumbled into the present hour. And so for now, for a period of time, we live in this overlap of two ages. 
But why are things like this? I mean, how can it be? Why doesn't God's rule simply end evil right now at this present hour? Why this mix between the old age and the end times age? And in this chapter, Matthew 13, Jesus will explain. But as we will see, the explanation comes in a series of parables. But there's another equally perplexing question. Among those who welcome the kingdom of heaven into their hearts, among those who bow their knee and call Jesus Savior and Lord, there's also a mixed bag. Some are powerfully changed by their encounter with Jesus and others, well, they're not. They, they fall back, some relapse, and some even turn away. How can that be? So while Matthew 13 seeks to answer all those questions, it is to this latter question, why some are changed by Christ and some are not, that Jesus tells his first of seven parables that make up this chapter. I'm reading Matthew 13, 1 to 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the passage begins with the words, that same day. You know, this is the day that Jesus announced that his mother and brothers consisted of those who did his will. His kingdom would consist of men and women who would become a family. Indeed, the relationship between those who made up his kingdom would be the, the closest of all relationships. And eventually, in Matthew 16, he gives us greater insight into his plan. In the midst of a fallen and sinful and evil age, he will build his church, and the gates of hell itself will not be able to prevail against it. And then from that, having just taught that grand truth, Jesus went out of his house where he was. I think the house probably refers to the synagogue. And what's interesting to me is, is the Greek verb translated as went out, is also the first verb that Jesus uses when he begins to tell the parable. A sower went out, says Jesus. So it seems clear that Matthew wants his readers to know from the very outset that the sower is Jesus. He has gone out, and, and if I might be so bold as to insert my own thought here, I, I can't help but think of Jesus going out from the presence of God to sow seeds for the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that is the ministry of Jesus. So verse 2 tells us that Jesus goes out of the house, a great crowd is following him. And clearly they expected him to teach, but the geography of that area made it difficult for him to find a place to stand, so, so he got into a boat and sat down. This teaching from a boat is of great advantage. I mean, for one, Jesus is not going to be jostled by the crowd, but also the water would form a natural amphitheater whose, whose environmental acoustics would have carried Jesus' voice. He would have been heard by everyone quite clearly. Now, if we work our way through all of Matthew, carefully noticing what we're reading, we, we would notice that the book of Matthew has five different discourses or sermons or talks. The first is Matthew 5 to 7, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. The, the second is Matthew 10, in which Jesus instructs his disciples about their mission and the persecution that's coming their way. 
Then in our passage today, which is the third discourse, this one is entirely made up of a series of seven parables. Jesus simply teaches by telling a number of stories which are intended to teach spiritual truth. He will teach his followers how the the kingdom will function in the present hour, how his kingdom has come, but for a period of time within the sovereign plan of God, evil is permitted to remain. And he will tell us why that's so. This is the chapter of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13. And by the way, in case you're curious, the fourth discourse is Matthew 18, which is his teaching about the church, the church that Christ will establish. And and the fifth and last discourse, that is found in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, and that's often been called the Olivet Discourse. This last teaching is given while Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives. He's overlooking Jerusalem, and he's overlooking the temple. And there he speaks about the last days and the final inauguration of his kingdom and his second coming when he makes all things new. So that, if you will, is the the lay of the land that we find in the book of Matthew. But here in Matthew 13 is what has traditionally been called the, the third discourse or the discourse about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And, and as we're going to see as we slowly make our way through this text is that this chapter is entirely made up of nothing but parables. And if you go to verse 3, notice that, that Matthew says that Jesus taught them many things in parables. Now, now because we've noticed that Matthew loves to group Jesus' ministry into into topical format. He isn't always bound by chronology. So for that reason, we don't know if he told all of these seven parables on this one day. Of course, he might have told all seven parables on this day. I think it's even quite plausible, but it's also possible that he spoke many parables and then Matthew, later inspired by the Holy Spirit, simply adds these parables together that Jesus taught at other times, and he puts them all into one chapter. Because all of these in this chapter are all the parables he taught about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Well, however it is, Matthew 13 is one of the great teachings of Jesus, and it will open our minds to something that we all see happening in our day. Offering Bible teaching resources that provide relevant biblical truth is at the center of the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada. This month, our daily Bible teaching program focuses on the expositional teaching of the Gospel of Matthew chapters 11 to 13, entitled The Mysteries of the Kingdom. How is it in a world so out of control that we believe God is in control? It's a mystery, but a mystery revealed in His Word. This series, along with every Back to the Bible Canada resource, is made available free to anyone who would know the truth about God. Every program, article, blog, video, online, podcast, mobile app, or even the Truth in Life magazine is simply free. A goal of Back to the Bible Canada is Bible teaching without barrier. Special thanks to all those who make this possible. To know more or to partner with Back to the Bible Canada, Call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. If you've ever wanted to know how it is that the kingdom of heaven has come and yet in this period of time in history, evil is allowed to continue, well, these seven parables, Matthew 13, they're going to unfold that mystery. 
The first of those parables is the one that we've just read. It's sometimes called the parable of the four soils, but Jesus himself referred to it as the parable of the sower. We'll see that when we come to to verse 18. I think the reason for that is that Jesus thinks that the theme of this parable is all about why the sower is doing what he does. It is true that there are four kinds of soil and that the four soils figure into this parable. But remember, this is a parable of the mysteries of the kingdom. What's this king up to? Also, after he tells the parable, as verses 18 to 23 are going to show us later, his disciples later ask him privately what this story actually means because they didn't get it, and neither did the people in the crowd. Now, in between his telling of this parable and the explanation of the parable is his answer to the question to his disciples as to why he speaks in parables. I mean, why does he keep telling stories in which he already knows that the majority of his hearers don't understand? And and that's what we'll get in the explanation found in, in verses 10 to 17. And we'll leave that to our next study. But But if you think that Jesus tells parables much in the same way as a, as a preacher might use an illustration, well, be prepared to be shocked. I mean, these parables are not teaching illustrations. They're, they're something very different. They're meant to both reveal the truth, but they're also meant to conceal the truth from unbelievers. So for now, let's concentrate on this parable or this story that tells us a profound spiritual truth about the kingdom of heaven. Story's simple. A sower went out to sow. Now, for our purposes, we need some explanation. And the people of Jesus' day, well, they didn't need one. That's because the scene of a sower going out to sow, it was familiar as, you know, as for us to say, a man got into his car and went to work. What I mean is, everyone's all too familiar with that scenario. But a sower going to sow is something we're not familiar with. See, unlike our day when when we farm massive tracts of land using sophisticated equipment, farming in Galilee 2,000 years ago, well, it it consisted of farming small tracts of land. It was highly labor-intensive, and most of the people lived by working the land. Now, sowing would begin in October, and harvesting would be in August or in September, and that would mean that, that the seed would lie dormant for some time all the way through the winter. And when it came to the time to put in the crop, the farmer or the sower would carry a seed bag with a strap around his shoulder and the bag hanging under his left arm under usual conditions. He would place his right hand in the bag and he'd fill his hand with seed. And then while he's walking with a, with a wide motion, he'd toss the seed, scattering it on the ground. And in some cases, only after the seed was sown, would you actually plow it under. In other cases, the plowing would have been done beforehand, but in either case, this is significant to the story. And a sower sowing seed was a common sight, and everyone listening to Jesus had seen this hundreds of times, and and everyone there had probably done it, so there are no surprises here. But because seed was flung out of the hand, not every seed is carefully placed into exactly the right spot. You know, in our day, farmers go out onto the field and they pull cedars behind tractors and every seed, along with fertilizers and other chemicals that kill weeds, well, everything is precisely located. But that's the the, the modern marvel of technology, and no such technology existed then. And, And you have to imagine that plots of ground were not fenced off. So imagine in those days all manner of paths leading from one village to another, and they'd simply go through agricultural areas. And so imagine that paths went right through fields. 
But because each farmer's land was limited, and because the farmer needs to maximize the yield off his small tract, he sows seed as close to the edge of the path as he can. And so it's inevitable that, that some seed, probably not much, but some, filled with the potential for life, falls onto the path. That seed won't penetrate into the soil. It doesn't germinate. And because that seed won't be plowed under, it's easy for the birds to feed on that stuff. Any seed that falls on the path will not penetrate. It's going to be eaten by birds. Now, it's important to this parable that we take note that the seed that falls on the path is just as potent as the seed that falls on the productive land. I mean, the difference in yield, as we're going to see, has absolutely nothing at all to do with the nature or potential of the seed. And then there's another problem. In many parts of Palestine, the soil is known to be a thin layer of topsoil over a layer of rock. And, and interestingly enough, these seeds germinate more quickly than the others. And farmers knew that, and that was true for two reasons. At first, this soil may have higher moisture levels than the rest of the soil since the water couldn't drain away. And the soil will heat up more quickly in the spring because the soil is shallow. And so the seed germinates faster than the others. And so this is the very first crop to come along, but alas, it is short-lived. You know, the summer comes in, it's dry and hot, and these conditions, the, the crop quickly dies. Now, if you ever looked at the root of wheat, you might be surprised how deeply the roots go. They will go down about two meters or about six feet. So even when the hot days of summer are upon the plant, it still is drawing moisture from deep down in the soil. But that's not possible when wheat is planted in soil where there's a stone bottom. Then there are no deep roots. And so in those conditions, at least at the first, the growing wheat looks healthy. But when the heat of summer sets in, it dies without ever reaching maturity and bearing fruit. And the question to why the sower would throw seed among the thorns is, is easily answered. The land has been tilled and there would be no thorns there. But thistles and thorns also drop their seed when they're rooted out. And over time, that remaining seed from thistles germinates along with a good seed. Our modern methods of spraying pesticides, well, they're intended to target weeds and leave wheat untouched. But in the ancient world, no such method existed. And that's why this parable makes so much sense. You know, soon a competition begins between the thistles and the wheat, but because the thistles are so hardy, they win the competition and eventually choke out the wheat. So the thistles win. But the point of sowing is to produce a crop. See, the point is not that, that it'll only produce a quarter. The fact is most of the seed will, will hit good soil, but, but some doesn't. And even when it does produce, the results vary. I mean, some years you get a bumper crop, it's a maximum yield, but, you know, farmers know other years, you know, it's still a good crop, but, but not nearly all that they had wanted. See, everyone listening to Jesus understood this, the amount of rainfall, the amount of heat, hail, grasshoppers, I mean, all of these things affected a crop. And so Jesus begins his parable by telling the story of a very familiar event, something all of the hearers would have understood. But what does the story mean? And if you look closely, Jesus seems to indicate that it really is possible to understand the point. I mean, look again what he says in verse 9. Jesus says about this parable, he who has ears, let him hear. I mean, what are we supposed to hear? Well, for one, it should be quite easy to see at this point 
that Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven, it really has come, but the results of his kingdom are going to vary in various places. Listen, Jesus is saying, he who has ears, let him hear. He's saying that you should really think about this, contemplate what I've been saying. Let those who have the the spiritual capacity to know what is said, ponder this and let them apply it to their lives. Now look again at the first part of verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, it says. So we notice again that this is, you know, only one parable that he tells the crowd. Well, we don't know what all the other parables might have been, but I suspect the crowds must have heard other stories that really made the same point as the story of the sower. And if they thought about it, they would at least realize that, well, it's the same seed, and each seed has the potential that's exactly the same, but the results vary because of the circumstances surrounding it. You know, but but most people listening to Jesus are unclear of what he's saying. Or they probably noticed that Jesus was announcing the kingdom of heaven and that, you know, people were healed and the dead were raised and, and demons were driven out and people were taught the good news they probably also noticed that not everyone accepted the message. So the result of what Jesus was doing varied among the people. Some, like the Pharisees, well, they reacted badly. And others, like many in the crowd, seemed to like him, but were not totally on board. And others, like his own disciples, were willing to pay the price. I mean, that anyone could have seen, but but what did it all mean? And for us, what does it mean for us today? At the very least, the message of the gospel continues to go out. But have you noticed how varied the results of the gospel are? John, people might be interested to know we have some similarities. We've both been senior pastors. We've both been church planters. And over that time, particularly as a church planter, I, I would look at other churches and I would see how, how great they were growing. And I was looking at my own struggles and then I'd start you know, saying, oh, what a worm am I because I'm not getting the same results. Should we be looking for the same results? <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one that's done that. I think we've all done that. <laughs> ben, I remember reading a, a, a book written by a pastor, and, and he tells the story that uh, he was driving down the road and a large church across the way from him, uh, he, he couldn't even get himself to look in the direction of the building itself. And I think we've all done that. I, I'm helped by this parable. I'm helped that, you know, the, 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 the message can be the same and the message is powerful and the results will vary in different places. And, and maybe it's just okay to entrust ourselves into the kind of a ministry that God has given us, to be thankful for being participants in that. Uh, we need to be thankful. Thanks so much, John. Remember to join us again tomorrow right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. grateful you joined us today for Back to the Bible Canada. We believe faithful Bible teaching is critical for God's people, and your support is critical in making the daily Bible teaching program with Dr. Newfeld available on this station. We do know, though, that there are times when it's not possible to listen on the radio. So for your convenience, we provide a number of free listening options. Listen online at backtothebible.ca. Sign up for the daily podcast. Subscribe for the free mobile app or check out the weekly Truth in Life Today video broadcast 
on the Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel. Just a few of the free Bible teaching opportunities available for Canadians and around the globe, but only available because of the passion and generosity of so many across this country. Thanks for all you do. Call us today with your support or for ministry information at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.